0: Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Monday, February 6th, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my neighbor, Max. How's it going, my friend? I'm
1: doing well. It's been a busy weekend of trying not to freeze to death here in the city of Montreal, with most of it spent at minus 41 and a few uh, plumbing issues among the way. but. Good to have all that behind and um, very much immersed in school and songwriting, which is kind of cool. How about you? Very cool.
0: Fun fact that I learned this week, actually, minus 40 Fahrenheit in minus 40 Celsius are where those two intersect. That's right. So that was content for all our listeners,
1: uh, north and south of the Canadian U.S. border, minus 40 wind chill in Montreal
0: this weekend. Frightening, dreadful. Um, I didn't experience that cold, but uh it did get pretty chilly. Had a tournament in Toronto where the heater broke in the dome. Uh, so always fun to play some ultimate in our in our jackets and sweatpants. And um actually I was just looking, shout out to Sarnia next weekend. I think they have an outdoor tournament uh in the snow that I would love to go to one day. It sounds like a blast. Do you play
1: that in like full?
0: gear basically yeah and you choose to either wear boots or you could do cleats with plastic bags over them to keep out the the water
1: the laying out potential is quite something
0: in that oh yeah it'd be ideal and i know they they do a tournament in north bay too that i have to look into um yeah that would those would be on my bucket list for winter events because it gets so cold here, there's not much we can really do, except uh, keep inside and try and make the best of things, especially now in February, where we're starting to get the consistently cold temperatures. None of the ponds in Ontario really have frozen over yet, at least uh, in, in the southernmost points of, of the province. So uh, we've been keeping by just not having shinny, trying to figure things out inside watching some sports, you know how we do, Uh, just trying to throw the transitions in there.
1: (laughs) This has been one of the most Canadian three-minute openings of our podcast ever, I think. Uh, We'll move along here to a new segment we're adding to the show. Oh, so this week, um, during the trial of a detective who had hundreds of cases Uh, thrown out because he mishandled or faked evidence, Uh, the prosecution trying to put him on the hook for mishandling evidence, mishandled the evidence and all charges were waived against the detective, uh, who basically put like hundreds of people behind bars for things they didn't do, is uh, the reading into the story. Uh, So was this terribly stupid or stupidly terrible on uh, the prosecution's behalf or overall?
0: Uh, the defense rests on terribly stupid. Here, it's uh, how can you one up the purposeful incompetence with unpurposeful incompetence, right? How can you mishandle something so important that and and obviously so ironic uh, that yeah, you got to go stupid here. You can't make those mistakes. And I uh, I chuckled seeing some of those stories come through the pipeline this week.
1: Yeah, it, it's one of those stories that's better in a headline almost than an article form. Uh, that sentence just has so much impact and really does imply like some sort of irony god in existence. Yeah.
0: that and every uh, Florida man story. Those, if you put Florida man at the beginning of an article, who knows what the end of the <laughs> article headline is going to read? Who knows. All right, we'll try and
1: keep that a regular thing going through the podcast uh, from now on. But of course, the most regular thing on this podcast, sports. Um, I think we're going to switch it up and start with basketball for a change here, because that's certainly been in the headlines this week for numerous reasons, though.
0: Yes, sir. Uh, plenty to talk about. But uh, the top of our list here, some big time news breaking in the NBA. And Uh, Before we jump into those couple of things, just have to mention, LeBron James, who I was lucky enough to see just a couple of weeks ago, uh, is now one game away, two games away, where he's right on the doorstep of breaking a pretty uh, impenetrable record set by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar of of 38,300 points, uh, 36 points away. does play the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, in his next game and then after that would be on prime time against the Milwaukee Bucks so uh, you could probably foresee which of those games he wants to break the record in but however it comes by it's just a testament to LeBron's incredible durability as well as proficiency uh, and and being able to score nearly 30 points per game at the age of 38 in his 28th season is impressive it helps the era of basketball that he's now started to age gracefully throughout uh, as scoring is up and pace is up but um, nonetheless he has invested a ton in his health and and durability and has not had any significant injuries hinder him Uh, and and i think he can keep it going I think he has definitely a shot at hitting 40,000, especially if he tries to play until both of his sons are in the league. That's a story. That's a a conversation for another day, but had to shut that out because if you're not watching, you better tune in for these next couple of days because the fanfare is going to be through the roof. And if you are a LeBron hater, you might want to mute your social media for the next seven days.
1: record you have to be a superstar for 20 years in the nba to even have a shot at thinking about breaking I, I think uh when you couple it also with the playoff points together uh which will seem a little more legitimate now that he's passed the regular season as well and as you said the we're currently exploring the longevity question of superstars across a lot of different sports lebron leading the way in basketball where we're just wondering where it ends with like the dedication and the resources uh applied with the scientific understanding we have today
0: it's an incredible feat it's remarkable and uh he'll just continue to create new history uh, throughout the, the rest of the season here as the Lakers try to push towards a play in spot um yeah next on our list next most important thing to talk about of course is the super team era not in the NBA the WNBA my friend the the league that everyone's buzzing about <laughs> had to mention Sabrina Ionescu of course uh, of Uh, In New York, uh, a a top rated prospect coming out of college, uh, led all college history in triple doubles. She now gets a new running mate in Brianna Stewart, uh, former MVP coming over from Seattle and of course, uh, Courtney Vandersloot as well. Now. Uh, this feels a little bit like the Cleveland Golden State area of the NBA because very likely we will now see the Liberty in the finals against the Las Vegas Aces who have Candace Parker, AJ Wilson, and Kelsey Plum uh, and are the defending WNBA champions. So is the WNBA going to follow in the NBA footsteps? Is the Super Team era bad for the league? Uh, who knows? Well, yeah, we might need to nerf these two teams. You know, that's all we got to say on that. Uh, and I think Max, we'll jump really truly to the biggest news of the last week, last four to eight hours. Kyrie Irving Absolutely. has been traded from the Brooklyn Nets to the Dallas Mavericks. One of many potential suitors on the phone uh, with Josiah and 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 the rest of the Nets uh, leadership team. The Nets received Dorian Finney-Smith. Spencer Dinwiddie, a first-round pick and two second-round picks. And Max, your first thoughts?
1: There's so many. I mean, this story starts three days ago on Friday uh, with the news breaking that Kyrie had asked for a trade. And the first thought is always the drama with Kyrie. So we'll touch on that briefly and then get into the basketball. uh, It has been 74 to 75 days of winning controversy-free basketball for Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets since November 20th, when he returned from suspension. And it feels like that was just not in his nature, uh, like was the first response. Like the man just can't stay away from controversy and have quiet winning success. Like, it's, I think the hardest part to wrap my head around the why is this, is it seems to be about the money and something about just the laissez faire, like, do whatever I want, uh, skepticism of Kyrie makes it hard to imagine he's motivated by money. Um, but it seems like the Nets' plan was essentially just to let him play through and then decide at free agency. And uh, Kyrie forced their hand here by threatening to sit out the rest of the season if this trade that he requested didn't happen, Um, putting a lot more onus on the Nets, uh, which would just hurt them in the long term in their having Durant happiness and uh, how much he's thinking about that trade request he made. Uh, So the trade request seems to be about the bird rights and the next um, contract that Kyrie can sign. And this decision makes most sense through the lens that he wants to sign one more max contract with those bird rights and get as much money as he can. And uh, that seems to be why this is happening. So the Nets kind of forced uh, to try and make a trade. They have plenty of suitors somehow, which uh, the commitment you have to make and what you get is something we'll touch on in a minute, Uh, but the Clippers. The Lakers, the Mavericks, and the Suns, the four teams I hear being uh, thrown around as giving offers. And ultimately, it goes for the Mavericks with the trade you mentioned at the beginning. So let's start with them. Uh, I think the lens to understand this for the Mavericks through is that they are three and a half years away from quite probably letting the most valuable asset in the league walk away for nothing on the current trajectory they're on, uh, where they have just seemingly made no good deals and uh, lost value in every move they've attempted to make, lost draft picks along the way, and uh, failed to build a really solid team around Luka Uh And this was the first season where you were starting to hear like rumors about he's thinking about walking, the requesting front office make some make a move which is something he hadn't done in prior seasons so i think that's important to keep in mind when thinking about this deal for the mavericks uh, because just the act of shaking it up putting that trajectory that was stale and never going to make it at the top level um in motion i think has value on its own uh, so one of the big problems this season has been what does the offense do when luca is off the court uh, How much can this man carry on his shoulders offensively? And Kyrie Irving is a wonderful answer to that problem. Probably one of the best in the league at creating a shot uh, on his own off the dribble. Uh, That's a big piece that the Mavs were looking for, and they get it the question then is defense like what is this team going to look like when luca and kyrie are both on the court and also how often is that going to happen because like i said the big problem is when is uh luca or like what happens when luca's off the court so i feel like this rotation really should have minimum like two to five minutes depending on how much christian wood is cooking where that happens over 48 in a game uh so that gives you some flexibility on how you run the defense uh on the other side though that is a really exciting offense that has Kyrie and Luca on at the same time uh Luca's been having trouble getting his guys to knock down the consistent open threes and he hasn't gotten many catch and shoot consistent three uh looks on his own uh so this should alleviate both of those things there uh Christian Wood as well on that floor is like some really fun and interesting spacing offensively. So I think they can make that work, and I'm excited to see it. Uh, you lose some defense as well in that. Uh, and then there's what happens in the offseason. Kyrie allegedly had the Lakers as his desired landing spot. Um, the fact that bird rights seem to be a big pick in forcing this trade makes me think Dallas still could get something uh, sending him elsewhere before he becomes a total free agent but also what could they possibly get from the Lakers uh, and would Kyrie accept anywhere else at that point in the season off season uh, so like I said at the start I think the shakeup up in momentum and like setting them off trajectory is good for them but uh they've got to get some momentum here and they've got to turn it into something. Maybe it's just having a good off-season or having a good postseason and looking like an attractive free agent spot. They will now have more cap going
0: into this free agency. uh, So that could be a bright side as well for them. It's a move that reeks of desperation. That they kind of pulled the trigger a little bit too early on a player who has shown us now has a terrifyingly uh, inconsistent track record, right? Of having fun for a season and then blowing things up as he walks out the door. Dallas had very little in terms of trade capital and we're lucky they were able to swing this deal in terms of what they could get for what they had simply because Josiah didn't want to send Kyrie to his preferred landing spot, right? So they luck out in that regard in terms of getting a talent for probably less than what could have been offered and what we've heard has been offered. So in that situation, you make the trade value, right? Looking at it in in objectivity, but now you have put forth all of your remaining assets for the foreseeable future for a half of a season of an unreliable player who in a perfect world there's going to be a couple of games here the rest of the season where they both these guys go for 40 and everyone's going to lose their minds. But if you don't win, which I don't have any confidence they will in terms of like what you said defensively, Doncic and Kyrie are actually not terrible defenders on the scale of stars playing defense. Um, They're definitely not the lowest by any stretch of the imagination, but Losing Dinwiddie and DFS, who usually take some of the more perimeter-oriented players when they're on the court, uh, will hurt even if those two are not plus defenders in their own right. And then you finish this season, if you don't win, where do you go from here? Because like you said, Kyrie likely out the door. The only way you salvage it at all if you don't win this year. The only way you salvage it is a sign-in trade, and you don't have a ton of leverage to be able to to get that done. So it's, yeah, it's a trade where, again, you look at it objectively with the numbers, with the talent. It's a, it's a nice trade to get at a guy who's you got at less value, but adding more context in the picture. It's it's an all-in move for Dallas, and I really don't love it. I think they could have pooled assets to try and get someone to fit and for a longer amount of time with Luca.
1: Yeah, like i said at the start this is a team with a horrible track record of trade signings and uh, lost free agents over the last four to five years so with that context it's likely one year later uh, we're looking at this uh, as an addition in a long string of l's for the mavericks it definitely seems like a w for the nets they move off uh, a major source of toxicity and A team that was hurting, I think, in depth and rotation. Sometimes trading like a plus one for two ones is like acceptable. I I think you get two bonafide starting players who can give you 30 plus minutes, uh, who both played really well in the playoffs last year. Uh, Vinny Smith having a career low in or like a recent four year low, at least in three point shooting over the last four or five years. Uh, you wonder if the shakeup will do anything Uh, it improves the team's defense and an offense that is just kd in the playoffs with a lot of guys who can shoot and play defense which i think they can put out some version of that rotation uh, at different points when simmons is off the court uh, could look pretty good and in terms of playmaking you have dinwiddie you have uh simmons in limited roles the playmaking definitely is strongest asset so i feel like that part of the game that Kyrie brought to them they don't lose it's the solo scoring uh but dinwiddie can give you some of that and i think kd can make up for the excess uh it overall just seems like a win uh for the nets my question is like well it seems one more this trade hasn't been finalized uh It seems the Nets are trying to get one more team in on it. It seems they very badly want that team to be the Toronto Raptors, but it also seems like the Mavericks want the deal finalized by the end of today. So I imagine by the time this podcast is up, the deal will be done maybe with a third team involved in some capacity. But regardless of that, it feels like one more move to me for the Nets. Uh, This, I think, raises the floor enough for them to make up for a bit of ceiling loss. Uh, now they have to go out and get that ceiling back and this is the last year for a while they have any draft assets that they can try and do that with they have two first round picks this year and then they don't have another till 2027 Uh, so with the kd timeline i I think it is very much win now this season for the nets and they've got to take a good swing at it if nothing else like get Kevin, to enjoy basketball and stop thinking about where the grass might be greener uh, for the rest of this season.
0: That is what I was going to say is uh, Nets, A, not done. I don't think they're going to try and flip a couple more of those assets they got in the deal into something more significant. And then B, KD probably had to sign off on this. It has been awful quiet throughout the whole last three days. Will they move him? I doubt it, because they didn't move him last offseason. They're committed to building something around him. But like you said, how long until he is unhappy with the situation if they're no longer winning games? And now he's going to be relied on to be the full engine of this team. Uh, in terms of, like you said, it's not just the loss of solo scoring from Kyrie. It's the loss of someone who can take the ball for six minutes and and be the engine of your offense. So it just means more taxing minutes on a guy who's now had some significant injuries in the past couple of seasons. So will KD be happy with that? And will he look to be moved again in the offseason? And and who knows what that could end up being? I think there's a very high possibility that he if he's not already asking to be out now, he will be asking by the time this season finishes. Another situation where Dallas, Brooklyn, we look at this by the end of the playoffs. If neither of them win, we could see some significant shakeup on their rosters.
1: Yeah, it I think uh in my head, this is like a double down on KD. Um, with unless we see him go in the next week situation for the Nets, uh, unless someone like offers a sky high price because I think he will bring them high enough, and I think they still have the leverage in the time window on his contract. Uh, The one other thing I wanted to throw out there before we move on from this is this is the first time I think Kyrie's going to be in every way second fiddle uh, since the Cavaliers. A lot of that Celtic stuff was about who is the top dog, and even if Durant on the court was first lead option 1A, uh on the media um in the narrative for the fans like irving had this huge probably bigger presence just because of his personality uh whereas with the mavericks with the talent and everything about luca there uh it won't be a question for Kyrie. so i'm kind of curious how that affects
0: the dynamic as well yeah it'll be fascinating to see um yeah. And and there's just so much going on here. Um, As it came through, as we're talking, there will be no third team included okay. in the trade. So that is finalized that the, that just those two teams will make the move and we'll see what the Nets turn around and do from here. Yeah, I feel like this does still
1: kind of fire start kick off the rest of uh, the free eight trade deadline. And uh, it sounds like a lot of teams like got in the bidding market and yeah, we mentioned the Raptors. Um, I, I think they're waiting right to the last minute to buy, or, decide buy or sell. Uh, the Lakers were clearly hoping to buy. The Clippers were clearly hoping to buy. I heard the Heat would move Lowry uh, if they could find a better replacement. Uh, so
0: I'm looking forward to this week. There could be some chaotic trades. I mean, it's the NBA, right? There's there's lots of stuff that could happen, but Raptors seem to be the center of it all. I think they could really drive the price up. If you're a contending team, I'd probably swing on someone from Utah, uh, even though Danny Ainge always seems to get a haul for one of those players, but trying to scoop someone there um, and and pick up one of those secondary tier guys because OG and obviously this is most likely Masai putting it out there and driving the price up himself, but three first round picks for one of these guys is is a significant cost. And, I, I The way this season's gone, I hate to say it, but I wouldn't hate getting some sort of return. The Raptors have rarely been on the receiving end of such a treasure trove of potential assets. So we will be fascinating to see what they do. Unbelievable that they don't have an all-star at, at this year's all-star game. Pascal Siakam might become the first player to average 28, 8, and 6 and and not make a an all-star team he get he is snubbed behind Julius Randle Drew Holiday DeMar DeRozan uh yeah i frankly don't get it but um there might be a couple of injury substitutions and he bet he better be one of the names called in as a as a reserve as a replacement cuz he deserves it um and i don't think he'll get moved but he is an incredible piece for any contending team to add if if they're looking to buy at the trade deadline
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to see a little extra spark under him uh, these next couple weeks and would expect it with the level of a snub that is the way he's played this year. All right, we'll take a quick break and then pick up for football. It's the Super Bowl next weekend, guys.
0: The Super Bowl on Fox, not with Tom Brady broadcasting, we don't think. Uh we had we had quite a bigger segment last year on Tom Brady retiring so uh, did he. feels like enough, yeah, it feels like enough was said second time around, going out a bit more with a whimper, less people cared for sure, which is interesting to see, but uh he's going to get paid three hundred and seventy five million from fox to to join that crew and Luckily for Greg Olson, he made his decision a little bit too late to bump him out. So Olson, I think, gets to do the the Super Bowl with Kevin Burkhart next Sunday. Uh, but beyond that, Tom Brady will be on your television screens and in your ears uh, next year speaking on football and be curious to see if he's any good at it, because we've seen some former players come through and be solid. but. Um, Nothing in the way of of superstardom, I think Tony Romo is the biggest name there, but I'm personally not his biggest fan uh but obviously they love him over there and and he got paid quite a substantial sum of money. I'm wondering if Tom can provide something different and even more intriguing
1: yeah, can you imagine like a three hundred plus million dollar down the drain situation? Uh, on the other hand, he could go and try and set like most consecutive um just years on an nfl broadcast for his next record yeah
0: geez he'll be 87 (laughs) or i i feel like there's an insane record for that though because you don't need to be in the same physical shape um yeah yeah he is going to be interesting for sure i think even if he's not great they'll still have to do it because yeah. of the name and people will still tune in because of the name and because it's football and people will watch anything.
1: Have you tried to watch any of those Manning cast episodes or games? Not
0: particularly. Um I've seen a couple of them. I I prefer watching the game itself. Like I don't even necessarily need broad like the yeah. broadcast at all. So the it's a little bit distracting for me having a conversation going on. Um I typically reserve that for my friends that I sit with and talk about the game. Um, But I do see how it can appeal to some other folks who uh, are interested to see a different perspective of, of players who can talk about it more candidly, rather than the broadcast that has to prep and be a little bit more politically correct or sensitive towards the players. Because they just have to take a more middle stance on 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 the game as it's happening
1: yeah there's also more of a formula that gets applied in a uh, professional broadcast setting into breaking the game down and presenting it so it just gives a different viewpoint and like a different kind of information will flow to the viewer from that Uh, definitely harder to understand the game at a beginner level I think though and definitely easier to kind of get lost or caught up or just lose the sense of what's going on in the game from it. I'm uh, just thinking
0: superstars and on uh broadcasts in recent memory. So then talking about the Super Bowl <laughs> itself. Uh not I don't have the super deep dive that I may have gone into in years past but we do have obviously two number 1 seeds two of the best teams in the league this year. Uh, when you throw the rest of it out, complete rosters, top playmakers, and teams that had to overcome bits of adversity, some injuries, uh, but overall showed that they were the the cream of the crop uh, in the NFL. And while I have already mentioned this, I believe the Philadelphia Eagles are the stronger team on paper and have the better roster. Defensive line, offensive line, corners, wide receivers, running backs. There are a lot of positions where they're very, very strong. The Chiefs have a team that has plenty of experience. They do have the best quarterback in the world. They do have an advantage at tight end. And then, of course, they have those key playmakers on defense that consistently keep them in these games when you probably don't think they should be. Right. And so, that, that changes the picture. The quarterback is the most important player on the field, even if all else is removed. The The Chiefs may still have an advantage, and and that's why we do see right now the, the betting lines leaning towards the Chiefs, but we'll see if that ends up changing uh, come Super Bowl time. I also imagine the public know Mahomes a little bit more than anyone else on the Eagles, which leads to that, that the public betting, but I think I am going to make my pick to the Philadelphia Eagles because I did mention this again last week. I think it go, runs similarly to the Tampa Bay, Kansas City Super Bowl, where Mahomes was running for his life against a superior pass rush. And this this Eagles team is going to get after him and, and make his life very difficult. And they're a team that hasn't faced a ton of tough teams. They average margin of victory in their two playoff games is 28 points. And if the Eagles get any sort of lead and any sort of pressure, they'll be able to run the ball consistently and maintain the clock. And that's how I see the the script of this game going, even though they've already revealed the script. (laughs) That was another thing on Twitter this week that we can add to our our stupidly terrible column was the NFL script and all of the memes that came along (laughs) with that. But so much more than the actual game itself, which really isn't. Isn't a great football game, the Super Bowl. It moves really slow. There's long commercial breaks. there's this whole concert that <laughs> wraps itself inside of, of the spectacle and uh, teams are usually so hopped up on adrenaline that the first half there's not really the the same purity and attention to detail of of a, of a regular playoff football game. And so you read into, okay, is the anthem gonna go over or under in terms of time? What's the Gatorade gonna be? How many shots of cacti are we gonna see when they zoom out of the stadium and mm. into the Arizona wildlife in the background? What's what's over under there? What are the commercials gonna look like? We're gonna get some crazy AI stuff. We're gonna get mm. some crazy, uh, maybe some crypto stuff that <laughs> yikes uh, there too. I don't know if <laughs> there's a lot in the advertising budget these days. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of former NFL players being goofy. And then, of course, Rihanna coming out of her retirement to play a show and, and people are hyped for it. And you got to get the umbrellas out. I think that's going to be the, the final song okay. uh, of, of the halftime show. So put your bets down on that uh, and, and looking forward to the spectacle of the Super Bowl as a whole. Entity rather than just the game, because the more I've watched it, the less I've been enthralled with the the Super Bowl game itself.
1: Sad but true. Um. All right. Other major major events going on in February: UFC makashev versus volkanovsky We are in the month of it. Um, an event that I think hasn't been getting the hype yet. That it really really deserves because i think this is the best pound for pound versus pound for pound champ versus champ super fight the ufc has ever put on uh in terms of getting the guys at their peaks and primes uh alexander volkanovsky has just rewritten the script of featherweight greats over these last three or four years. uh, The trilogy with Max Holloway, all three of which ending in his uh, wins, and then his other title defensive, which have been thrillingly dominating at times uh, and still shown remarkable willpower at others, notably those guillotines from Brian Ortega. It's the perfect time for a champ to move up and in his opposition uh, he faces sheer and unquestioned dominance and excellence in Islam Makashev riding a little off the piggyback of Khabib for sure um, but only because their times in the rings in terms of the opponent's chance at victory have been so similar uh, Makashev has been everything he's been billed to be every step of the way and the only uh, weak point is that there hasn't been more of it. Finally, as champ, uh, as the first title defense at lightweight, because there was such a circle jerk at the top for such a long time, I don't hate it as much as I would probably in other situations. And it feels like Volkanovsky is a really intriguing test. It's one way dominance. Uh, you know what he's going to do, and you can't do anything about it versus flexibility which is so intriguing, uh, as Volkanovski's greatest strength, and it's why I think this is the best super fight ever. There have been so many others where what the champion did that made them successful, um, whatever it was, they didn't have it with them when they brought it up. Like Conor McGregor doesn't have that featherweight touch of death uh, in higher weight classes. Uh, Daniel Cormier didn't have the wrestling edge. He had that light heavyweight israel adesanya didn't have the frame and size and height and reach advantage that sets up so much of his kickboxing at light heavyweight all these guys they're not bringing with him it's challenges um in spite of losing their best thing we saw with max holloway fighting dustin poirier as well whereas volkanovsky it's his flexibility it's his tactics his ability to mix it up Uh, make reads, change things in the fight, and execute it all uh, with beautiful precision and, like I said, dominant willpower. And those are all qualities he's going to have at lightweight. They're not qualities that change uh, as you gain or lose 10 pounds and face bigger opponents. So that's what's so fascinating for me. About this fight. Uh, We'll have a more technical side breakdown as we get closer to it, but just wanted to start rallying the sirens on the hype for that. All right, Um, we're wrapping up the show here. It's been a slow week for tennis uh, in February. The good news is that's the first half of February, the second half, much more competitive. Uh, From the 13th onwards, we'll have four. 500 level tour events uh, as players warm up for March, which will feature the two 1000s. So just three 250 events going on this week. We'll look at those next week to see who has some momentum heading in uh, to this point scoring season, where players try and uh, accumulate to get better seated in the Grand Slam draws. Uh, looks like we'll have a lot of fun names in the second half of February. Uh, those players resting up for a bit of a marathon um, gauntlet potentially depending how they want to go about uh that month and a half so yeah looking forward to the check-in there next week hope all those guys rest up uh especially Carlos Acaraz. looking forward to seeing him rejoin in February and we'll talk some top 10 tar- narratives next time if is there any sports we missed though I feel like we got
0: it all uh my stance on the nhl all-star game and all All all-star games just to say it here is if you don't like it it's not for you you will still watch the sport regardless of how the all-star game goes unless they start including team incentives or a ridiculous sum of money the players will never care about the all-star game so don't complain about the effort and performance put in the all-star game purely should be growing your audience and growing your young audience to build lifetime fans. And that is what I have to say on that. I
1: have this beautiful memory of watching the 2012 uh, shootout Sudden Death. And that I've watched that video three or four times throughout high school. And that is the most I've ever engaged with the NHL. Any all-star game, really. And that's totally fine. All right wrapping up the show as well with a new segment this week and awesome we're going to try and shout something out that happened in the last seven days every episode from now on Uh, for me this week it's thrice re-releasing the artist in the ambulance if you don't know who thrice is uh, american band been around 25-ish years now uh, starting out with a very punk hardcore sound uh, that has matured on along with the band one of very, very, very few bands who have changed their sound softer and consistently, and I've enjoyed every step of the way listening throughout their discography. I like their stuff in the 2010s and late 2010s almost as much as I like that early stuff. Uh, So it's a good state to be in to go re-record your most popular album. Uh, They dropped it, Surprise, last week. Uh, I've listened to it it several times. They bring all that punk sound, but better production. Uh, They mess with tempo changes, have a richer sound, and I had quite enjoyed it listening. Uh, Even better though, I was one of the lucky people in Montreal who got the tickets for their show before it sold out in less than 60 seconds. So hyped about that. Thank you everyone for listening. Sports Next Door, signing out.